Hello, and welcome to STEM Radio here on the Sisters in Music Network. It's Monday Music Madness, and you're tuned in to Mixing It with Nikki Chris. This is Nikki, and in case you don't know anything about me, I'm a singer-songwriter from Raleigh, North Carolina. My show celebrates women in the music and entertainment industry, providing an avenue for them to showcase their talents. Our motto, Sisters in Music, Together We Are Stronger. My guest today is a singer-songwriter from Salt Lake City, Utah. Her huge, soulful voice has a sweetness and precision that you wouldn't expect. After completing her master's degree in vocal performance, she moved to Austin, Texas, where she cut her teeth in the music scene, playing with various blues bands and singing all over town. Her latest project is an all-original mix of Americana, some blues, and a little country, and a lot of soul. Her band consists of some of the best artists in Salt Lake City. Please join me in welcoming the fabulous Megan Blue. Welcome to Mixing It, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great, Nikki. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm really excited to showcase you and showcase your music. I'm a huge blues fan, so I'm very excited for some of the things that we're going to talk about and share. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Where did you go to school? I went to uh, Loyola University in New Orleans. That's where I did my undergrad. It was a great experience. It was a classical music, classically based performance. My background is actually in opera, studied opera, performed it till I was about like 25. But really, I love New Orleans because it just has such an incredible live music scene. I think it's pretty unrivaled. And I really took advantage of, you know, seeing live music, performing as much as I could. Um, And I really got into soul and blues music while I was living there as well. Well, I could certainly see that. And that's very interesting that you actually did more classical type of music first. Mm -hmm. I hear that a lot from some of the artists that I speak to, including myself, because I actually was originally classically trained and then decided that that wasn't for me. And yeah, yeah. so I, you know, went over to the pop rock scene and, and all of that fun stuff. But has your musical journey had a deliberate direction then, or has it simply gradually evolved in whatever direction it found? Because it is unique that you originally were maybe more classically trained and, and now all of a sudden you're, you know, you're doing different genres. Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, I didn't really think of myself as wanting to be a classical singer when I went to college. Uh, in high school, I was, I did musical theater and I was into jazz and blues And then I ended up getting a classical scholarship to Loyola. So I kind of just fell into it. And I I fell in love with it, basically. I loved the drama and the costumes, you know, all that. So when I fell in love with it, my original thought was, yes, I'm going to pursue this opera career. But the more I got into it, and I actually did, I went as far as to get a master's in in vocal performance and opera, too, from uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City. And so I did follow it for a while. But then... You know, I kind of realized that that world wasn't really for me. I didn't love the constant auditioning. I felt like there was a lot of 
cutting down of other people, like other singers. It was sort of like whoever wasn't in the room, that's whose voice you're talking about. And I didn't love the world of opera, if that makes sense. And it's a really hard thing to to be successful at. I think I might have had the throat for it, but I didn't have the heart and soul for it. And I think opera singers that really are into that scene, it's that's their life. And it's an amazing thing. But for me, I couldn't get away from wanting to sing other types of music. I was always pulled in other directions. And so it just kind of got to a point where I had to make a choice of which direction I want to go in. Because I think at some point your throat wants to decide, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's like opera singing is so different from pop. I mean, the sound is so different from pop and rock and everything. It's a different, it's not really like, okay, so I teach voice. So the classical. Yeah, I was going to ask about that too. Because you are a vocal coach, that actually allows you to pull from, because one of the things that I do, and you may do this as a as a vocal coach, so I'd be curious as yeah. if you do do this. When I do warm-ups, I actually do my warm-ups, and I, I'm a bad warm-up. I, I hate warming up, and I'm very, very bad <laughs> about are. it. But, yeah, <laughs> I know. When I, when I do do it, you know what exercises I pull from? I, I literally have hard copies of exercises that my vocal coach gave me. They're a very opera-focused, very classical-focused. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what I use for my warm-ups when I'm going to go sing. I mean, my music tends to be more pop rock, and, you know, I'm getting into uh, the local band that I'm going to be singing with, which is more like blues and Americana type of music. Mm-hmm. But I find that the classical warm-up exercises and the, the phrasing and the terminology that you use and, and some of the uh, runs that you do from a warm-up perspective actually work really, really great regardless of the type of music that you're going to sing. So do you also use those types of techniques? I do. So what I do is I largely, as far as like classical training goes, I largely pull from the breath. To me, singing is breathing and it's connected to the breathing and it's controlled by the breathing. And to me, that that represents all singing. I fully believe in the voice coming from the belly and coming out that way. To me, I think those classical exercises, especially the agility exercises where you're singing really, really fast scales, you know, the, you know, those really, really fast ones, those are great for any type of singer. I believe scales give uh, freedom through form, meaning that the more you do scales, the more precise and accurate your voice is going to be, regardless of what type of singing you're doing. I think the difference between classical and other types of in musical theater and pop, they're all a little bit different. Classical to me, it sits in a little bit different of a place, more high up in the back of the mouth, and it's full vibrato. For pop and rock and musical theater, musical theater has a little more vibrato, but it's more like you're pushing the sound through the roof of the mouth and out the mouth or behind the in the face or behind the nose but not in the nose. So it just depends on the type of singing you're doing, but I always start with the breath, connecting to the breath, how to breathe properly, 
and that comes from my classical training for sure. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And it's funny because I was actually mentoring a young up-and-coming artist as part of the Grammy U program, and she was having a lot of trouble with, like, stamina and breathing, and that was one of the mm-hmm. areas that we focused on. And one of the tips that I actually gave her, because there is literally no way to breathe in correctly when you do it, I said, lay down mm-hmm. on the floor. Lay down on the floor. Start singing your songs. I'm like, you have to breathe from the belly in order to project. And yes. you start filling your diaphragm that way. I said, that is literally one of the ways that I actually will force myself, okay, you're not breathing correctly, lay down, you know, take a deep mm-hmm. breath, relax, and now start singing because it's the only way that it works for me, at least to just that whole sensational feeling about breath and and, and focus and, and projecting from that space. So I can totally yeah. relate. That's totally relate. I, I really think that's one of the my favorite things about vocal coaching is, you know, because your voice is inside you. And so it's a lot more intimate than other instruments and everybody's personality is different. So you really have to find out how to reach somebody. And I might say one thing to one person, but that goes completely over another person's head. And I have to find a different way to engage them and for them to engage with the breath. And I do a lot of experimentation. It's something that I love to do is have people lay on the ground and then put up, like heavy books on their belly And then to really connect to the breath, your goal is to move the books up and down and leave your chest still. I find that a lot of people will breathe into their belly, but they're still really breathing into their chest as well, which makes your chest and your shoulders tense. So, like, the really masterful breathers really only use their belly, and they bypass the chest and shoulders. Um, And that's, I think, really key in becoming an expert singer. And the funny thing about singing is if you get nervous on stage, which I I still do, you know, I'm always have the nerves right before I start singing. And even though I've been doing it for, you know, God, 25 years, I still get that little jitter. But because I can really breathe low and connect, it doesn't affect my voice that much anymore. But I think younger singers, more inexperienced singers, that's the first thing to go. And that's why, you know, they they lose their sound on stage because they can't connect to that low breath. So that's something I, that I would really definitely on. agree with that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I focus a lot on um, on how to work and manipulate the soft palate and placements and, you know, there's there's so much that goes into it. Language, how are you pronouncing it? Is your tongue lose tension. Tension is huge. I mean, most people have some kind of tension when they sing. And, you know, that's sort of like when you know you've reached a professional level is that you can sing without that tension. But it's, it takes a lot of work to get there, to make it yes, look it effortless. Yes. <laughs> yes, it definitely does. Definitely does. Like I said, I'm very, very bad about sticking to a good you know, continuous exercise, continuous practice routine, as many of us probably are. So, yeah. Well, I think the the blessing in teaching teaching voice is that I'm constantly practicing because I'm constantly like, this is how you do this scale, demonstrate this. And so I found that my skills have grown immensely as a singer and a guitar player because I'm constantly helping my students. 
which is a great way to sort of get paid in practice at the same time. So yeah, that sounds really like fun. it's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. I, I love what I do. I'm really lucky. Excellent. Well, I'm glad. That's really great because it's always good to have a career that you absolutely love. So let's talk about your other career, right? So, you know, sure, yes. you are a singer-songwriter, right? I mean, you do go out I and play. Am. You release your own music, right? You're not just a vocal coach. That's correct. So what's it like making a living as a local artist in Salt Lake City? Uh, it's good. It's challenging. I think Salt Lake City has a lot of really good artists. I think the problem with Salt Lake City is that I don't know how how much you know about Salt Lake, but um, it's sort of the the state is sort of run by the Mormon Church, and so we have really strange liquor laws and laws concerning bars and where we can place bars and. Um, I promise I have a point to this, <laughs> but the point <laughs> is that I think compared to other major cities, we have a huge lack of venues, and we do have some really good venues. Don't get me wrong. I've played at most of them. The problem is is that we we don't have enough venues for the amount of artists we have, so I think that there's a fight to get into the good places all the time. Um, it's really hard to, you know, to get residencies to kind of find a place to play on a regular basis. I'm fighting to, to find that now. So I think like any other city, it's, it's a struggle to make a living as a performer, which is why I feel blessed to be able to teach because I don't put that pressure on myself to sort of make a living as a performer. I have a family, I have a son, I have a toddler. So it's, you know, I'm not trying to play out three, four nights a week. I find that exhausting. I'm happy to play a couple times a month. My goal really is to kind of get to the point where people kind of know who I am on a local level and I don't have to fight so hard to get good shows is basically my goal, if that makes sense. Um, as far as, you know, feeling supported and feeling a good vibe when I'm, you know, playing and out, that's there. And I think that as far as other local artists supporting each other, there's a huge support here for that. I think the key is just we need more places for people to play. And always, we're always fighting for, you know, better wages for, it's like, you know, I mean, sometimes I get paid well and I fight for that. And at this point, I just walk away if I am not offered a decent wage unless it's for a good cause or I'm getting really good exposure or something. But I'll give you an example. Like my bandmate Dylan, his wife's a massage therapist, and she works at this super, you know, 1% fancy uh, ranch place up past Park City. And she's like, I gave you your guys' information. It's about an hour away, and I get this email, and it's like, hey, we want you to come play the three-hour show. We'll pay you $200, and you have to bring all your own equipment. And it's like, you know, so I think there's just, there's still a lack of understanding on a lot of people's part as to what goes into doing a gig, doing a show. And I think local artists are severely underpaid, and I think that, I'm not sure how to change that. I think there's a lot of people who are willing to play for nothing. And so 
that sort of puts uh, the, you know the veterans and the people that have been doing it for a long time in a position of you know not really having uh, a leg to stand on because it's like oh well we can just get this music for cheaper you know type thing. I'd really like to see a strong uh, union, but you know I don't think that's going to happen in Utah. So I'm getting well, political and on it you. Sorry. Is the- <laughs> well, no, it's no. It, I mean, it, it actually makes sense. And to be honest, Utah and Salt Lake City means more church-based. But it's interesting, though, because I actually would not have thought that that would be a challenge. So it is yeah. good to learn that you know it is a challenge. But the pay thing—that's not indicative to Salt Lake City because oh yeah, I know that is even. Absolutely. Yeah, that that is everywhere, right? I mean, we That's even do, everywhere. Yeah, it is everywhere, and and we even do for sisters in music. You know, our sim jams. You know, because we're a nonprofit, we sometimes pay out of our nonprofit to host the event. We can't pay performers because we're a nonprofit, right? You know, it's not like we have all this money coming in, right? But we make sure that that's known up front, and we we use it as a mechanism to offer exposure, we try and get people, you know, up and coming, right? You know, this is an opportunity for you to, you know, get promoted, right? You know, we'll promote you on our social media, Mm -hmm. you know, we do try and do something to make it worth people's while, but I totally understand that, you know, I mean, I know I'm, I'm playing at the end of the month and I, I don't, I'm not expecting to be paid, (laughs) you know, yeah. I'm just like it's okay, you know. I'm I'm using it for exposure, and I'm I'm playing with my friend's band, and it's totally fine. But it's hard. It's really really hard. Yeah, it's hard, but, and that's why you know I found other avenues to make money, and you know I've kind of gotten to the place where I can say, and I agree with you. I think if it's an opportunity worth doing. You know, like I have a big show in September at um, Solitude, and Solitude is a huge ski resort here, and it's a it's an outdoor concert series. There's a ton of people. It's super fun, but it's way underpaid, and I'm happy to do it because it's a great gig. However, I know that it's a huge ski resort, a billion-dollar ski resort, so why can't they pay us accordingly? That's That's the frustration that gets me, the times when I know that I should be and could be paid for what I'm worth and that doesn't happen that that kind of gets my goat a little bit <laughs> but that's sort of well the, yeah and you know, that would me too that's, it, it that's definitely would well. you know right yeah right but it definitely that that yeah. would bother me too right if you know that somebody can yeah. afford more and they're just not yeah. doing it then yes that would bother yeah. me as well so totally understand yeah. that great spot to share one of the songs that you brought with you please tell us a little bit about the song Faded Love. So Faded Love is about uh, my parents' divorce. They got divorced during COVID after 45 years of marriage. And it's definitely one of the toughest things I've ever been through. Basically, my mom has struggled in in their marriage for a while, but sort of during COVID, I think this happened to a lot of couples. It was like, this is it. I can't do it anymore. And she up and left and moved to St. Louis and left my dad sort of flailing. And it's a song about sort of me trying to 
keep everything together and keep the family together and my brothers as well. And uh, just the change that happened within that process. And I don't write all the time, but when I do, it just kind of goes bleh and falls out. So I'm, this, this is one of those songs that just sort of came out of me. Awesome. You write like I do. I, I'm a binge writer, so I have a feeling yeah. that you might be very similar, which which is great. Yeah. And those often create the best songs. So we are going to pop this on for our listeners. This is Faded Love by Megan Blue. Well, you were always there Oh, I fell so hard And you picked me right up And you wouldn't dare Turn your back on me When I was down on my luck And I made you cry But you grabbed my hand When you jumped off the ledge You would hold your breath Well, I waited around In my pretty little mess You took care of everything Everything didn't take care of you A piece of you was missing A piece you couldn't afford to lose But do you see me here Picking up the pieces of your mess Trying to make a rhyme out of your It's so hard to live without you in my life I want to hit rewind But you can't come back and live in a lie I may not understand How stuck you feel, how your hands were tied I may not understand But you can bet your ass I'll never leave your side So I'll take care of everything You take care of you Find that peace you're missing That peace you can't afford to lose But do you see me here Picking up the pieces of your mess Trying
up Bonnie Waite in that song. It's got that that Bonnie Waite vibe, like almost like a um, I can't make you love me type of type. Is that the name of the song? I think it is. Yeah, um, that's but, a huge you know, compliment. Lot She's of one the, of my favorite artists. I love her. So. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I definitely get that from that song. Man, that was like like the first person that when I was listening to it, it popped into my head. I was like, ah, oh, Bonnie. And oh, that's so, great. Very well. I love done. that. Yeah, yeah, I love and that. And I song, love the blues uh, guitar in that. Yeah, I was just gonna say that my my favorite part of that song is what Dylan did with it. I love the guitar on that, the tone, and yeah. So I think, and we actually just did a music video to that for that song that we filmed at my dad's house and it should be out, I think in the next month or so. So I'll have that up on my website, but I found that that song has gotten the most sort of buzz off of the EP. So it kind of was the featured song. Excellent. Awesome. Well, we will look for the YouTube video. Excellent. Cool. So obviously you use real life situations to inspire your songwriting. Your yes. mom, I'm sure that yes. also inspires your, your songwriting. Mom, musician, I can certainly relate to that as well because I also have, have children of my own. Now, what about places? Yes, I do. Mine are, mine are a lot <laughs> older, but they, they have definitely influenced some of the things that I have written in the past. You've also lived in numerous places, right? You went to school in Louisiana. I think you've also lived in Texas. Now you live in Salt Lake City, Utah. So lots of influences. So how have the places you've lived influenced maybe your performing or even your songwriting? Oh, that's a good question. As far as songwriting goes, I'm not sure if the places have influenced me so much as who I've listened to growing up and um, sort of what's going on in my life. But Texas, I, I don't think I would have gotten into any kind of country if I hadn't lived in Austin, Texas, because before I went to Austin, I had this idea of country being sort of this cheesy country pop stuff. In Austin, it's just, it's really not like that. It's just a lot more kind of gritty singer songwriter country and that's I was really drawn to in a way that I didn't think that I ever would be and so I would say that definitely influenced me as far as living in Austin goes um New Orleans soul funk blues I mean just everything and there's such a joy in the way people perform there that is infectious that I try to bring when I perform as far as, you know, really my whole thing as a performer is what do you do in between the songs? It's to me, it's like standing there and singing is easy. But I remember when I switched over from opera to like singing in a band, I was like, what do I do with my hands? What do I say in between a song? (laughs) It's just sort of like learn for me, it was a learning curve of how to interact with an audience and how to how to perform in a way that was natural and sort of find my voice on stage when I'm not singing. And I think that because I am just obsessed with going to see live music, I've always been obsessed with going to shows, especially when I was younger and, you know, single. And that's basically what I did, you know, and I've seen so many great artists 
I, I remember going to see Michael Franti once, and it clicked with me that before every song, he told a story about the song. Some, a little, even if it was just one sentence. And when you do that, it connects you to your audience in a way that doesn't, if you don't say anything about the song. Especially if you're a singer-songwriter and the person doesn't know the song, if you're like, this is a song I wrote then that's not going to affect them. And so uh, to me, it's sort of like, what's the story? How do I, you know, and the more you do it, the more you can really play off the audience, the more you can lean in, the better of a performer you become. I agree. I'm a hand performer. <laughs> me too. <laughs> but I'm a hand, you know, I say, oh, somebody understands what I'm saying. I like, yeah, I get really animated when I'm performing and I use my hands a lot. Like I've even, people have even said to me, like, are you Italian or something? Cause you're always talking with your hands or when you're performing and I'm like, Oh, well, I'm just like, I'm animated. I, I feel the music or I, I feel that, you know, me making yeah. a hand gesture or using my hands in some way, shape or form emits the emotion of the song that I'm performing. So it's, yes. I certainly get the whole, like, even in between the songs, like, explaining what the song is about and stuff like that. But I don't know why I brought that up, but it sounds like well, I think, you, you, know, you the hand have thing, had similar struggles. Yeah, the hand thing is interesting because, you know, I I think when I first started, like, you know, this is 15 years ago when I first really started performing in bands. I thought it would look better if I didn't use my hands. And then you look at videos and stuff and you're like, you look ridiculous not moving your hands. And so when I just started sort of naturally using them and now I use them all the time and I, I sort of conduct myself a lot when I sing and, you know, I'll put my hand up a lot and I wear crazy rings so I can like, you know, show off my jewelry. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of a diva like that. But the funny thing about teaching is that most people are scared to death of using their hands when they sing. They just want to stand there and they just awkwardly kind of grab their clothes or they put their hands behind their back or in their pockets. And it actually takes me a lot of effort to sort of be like, it's okay to use your hands. Let's kind of play around with this. And there's there are people that are natural at it, but I, I find that's the rarity, if that makes sense. To get people really comfortable in their bodies and open is is a big thing that I work on. Like to me, being a singer is not just having a good voice. Like there's plenty of people that can sing. To me, being a good performer is what you visually give on stage, what you give emotionally to the audience, how you connect to people. That's what people remember. You know, it's not just like, oh, she has a nice voice. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I love that. Okay, so I'm not crazy because, you know, I I look at videos and I'm like, oh, my God, all I'm doing is doing So, okay, great. We'll go with it. <laughs> we'll go with it because I can't keep my hands by my side. I, That's you know, good. I'm actually struggling with, yeah, no, I can't. And you know what? It's it's like it drives me nuts and I'm I'm – getting ready to do band practice for the event that I have at the end of the month. And I'm going to be like, can I have a tambourine or something? Because I can't just stand <laughs> here is, with, you know, not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. There is something to be said too for stillness when you can really be still and draw somebody in. I actually, one of the best performances I ever saw going back to Bonnie Raitt, she sang, I saw her at this live uh, venue in Salt Lake. And she's saying, I can't make you love me. This was years ago. 
And she did it completely still. And it was amazing. So being able to be still and draw people into you is also a really cool thing. Yes. And I will work on that. That's going to be something that I will work on. <laughs> Excellent. I will work on it. All right. Okay. Great place for us to take a short break here from a word from one of our partners in podcasting. This is my buddy, Tim, from Front Range Radio. We'll be right back on Mixing It with Nikki Chris here on Sim Radio. Front Range Radio, playing a variety of indie music, a 24-7 music festival for your ears. You can find Front Range Radio at frontrangeradio.net. And we're back on Mixing It with Nikki Chris on the Sim Radio Network and my special guest today, Megan Blue. Megan, we talked a little bit about your songwriting process. And we've heard Faded Love, and you told us what that one is about. We're going to hear Boots on the Ground, so I'll ask you about that one in a little bit. You can explain what that one is about. But who are some of the artists that you pull from? I'm assuming, obviously, Bonnie Raitt. I know you pull from real-life experiences. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your songwriting process. My songwriting process. So I will – I actually have this. Thing that I call getting a little nugget and it's sort of when I come up something pops into my head like a phrase or a melody of some kind um, and that's what I call my little nugget and I usually will sort of base a lyric or a chorus around that I usually start with a chorus and then um, I do this Thing called stream of consciousness if I'm trying to write which is basically when you just start writing you don't think about it and you just kind of bleh, get it all out on paper and then that's a really good way to find a little nugget and then start writing around it I usually find the melody first just I think because I'm a vocalist so I usually go for that vocal line first and then I'll sit at the piano or the guitar and kind of just mess around with chord structure until I find a kind of a line, a beat and go from there. So I'd say that's my process. And, you know, usually when I start a song, I just can't stop. I'll just think about it and go and go until it's done. And then once it's done, it gets sort of refined. And But I find this last album, this last EP I did, a lot of it came from the emotion was frustration and anger. (laughs) So I was feeling kind of despondent and it just kind of flew out of me. A lot of that stuff did. My next goal is to write like a happy album with happier songs because I really am a happy person, but all my songs are kind of like about a little bit about struggle. I would say like a huge influence of mine, especially when I was young was Ani DeFranco. I was just like obsessed with her for about, I don't know, eight years. So you'll hear a lot of my, like I, I'm, my songwriting is pretty wordy in a lot of spots and talky. And I think that comes from listening to her so much. As far as like vocal influences, I think, geez, I don't know. It's such an amalgam. My voice, I think the best I sound is when I'm singing blues, like hard blues. 
you know, because I have that huge sound that I can really just wail on. Mm-hmm. I think that my challenge as a songwriter is to sort of find kind of a more rockin' sound with a little bit more upbeat lyrics, perhaps. I think that's my next my next goal for my next project, my next album, not my next project, but my next album, if that makes sense. Because I love my songs, but yeah. Do you struggle with writing it happy songs? It does make sense. <laughs> Do I struggle with writing happy songs? No. No. And the reason why I'm not, well, I'll say yes and no. I mean, I'm a binge writer, so and I, you know, I say that all the time. I can force myself to write a happy song, but what I end up doing is I end up visualizing and putting myself in, like, I'll, I'll actually almost create, like, a, a virtual reality fantasy world in my head. Ah. And, and it mm-hmm. sounds really, it sounds like really, really weird, but like, no, it doesn't. I'll I put do that all myself, the time. <laughs> okay. So I'm not crazy. I'll put myself no. in this like little virtual reality space and say, okay, here's, here's the story. Here's the situation. This is how I'm feeling now. Write a song about that. Right, so I'll I'll then take that little virtual reality that I've kind of created and put it into song structure. I actually did that quite a bit in my last album. Um, mm. There are a couple songs that I pulled from that that type of songwriting trick, if you will. So, but yeah. you know, I think everybody has struggled with happy songs maybe the past couple of years, right? You know, because there's not yeah, a, totally. there's not been a lot of happy stuff going on, right? So it, it, yeah, it you know exactly. that I could certainly understand, right? Because there's been a lot of doom and gloom and whatever you want to pull from. So there's been a lot of challenges. I think you could pick globally, you could pick country, you could pick locally, you could do whatever, and you know, it's just been those very challenging times across the board. For everybody. Absolutely. Right? So. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. That's definitely true. Yep. Yeah. But I think I might have to so, try that, you know, try that sort of meditative writing where you put yourself in a different yeah. place. Yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> I like that. You, you, you really should. I mean, like, you know, I also pull, like, sometimes I'll actually go and listen to, well, what, what songs, what are happy songs that I know, right? And you go and and listen to those songs. Okay, what are they talking about? Right? And a lot of times you can actually gain inspiration from, you know, a song that is a happy song and mm-hmm. not copying it, but you could just could even like mimic it and be like, all right, well, they're talking about this. Maybe I flip it around. Mm-hmm. I, I do that a lot, too. I actually yeah, will sure. go and listen to groups and, and songs, and I'm like, oh, I love this song. And I try and write a song that either either is a response to that particular song or maybe mimics it in some way, but it's not. you're not copying it, right? You're actually sure. taking the inspiration from that song but then creating your own composition around it yep i do have a couple comedy songs but i haven't published them because i think they're sort of uh how should we say controversial <laughs> so oh you, I'm you sort gotta of sitting on them right well you know i mean with with young kids it's kind of kind of tough right because you want to 
you want to say, all right, do I want to put something out that my kid can or cannot listen to? Um, you yeah, know, I'm often worried about that, though. I, you know, I think especially, well, one of my songs is, is about abortion. It's like my friend and I sat down, she's, who's a singer-songwriter, and we, this was before Roe versus Wade was overturned, and we kind of sat down and said, how do we write a funny song about abortion? And so that's the one song that I'm like, I really feel like I should get that published because I feel like now is the time that it would probably well, be well-received. So that's something that I definitely need to do. That would be an interesting yeah. one to hear. Yeah. But yeah. then I'm like, maybe I should be sure my address, isn't, <laughs> my address isn't public record. Well, like, it makes me a little worried. I guess like, it depends. Physically. I guess it depends on which side you're on, right? I mean, like, it's, you know, how, 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 it's kind of a touchy subject. How do you make that funny? Exactly. And that'd be interesting yeah. to hear. Right, you know? I mean, well, I'll record it anyway. and I'll send it over to you, and you can tell me what you think. Okay. <laughs> All right. Please do. Please yeah. do. I will. I will. I, will. I, I, I definitely, definitely want to hear that one. All right. I, I've gotten a lot of good responses Wait. from, like, my friends, but I don't know if that's a good barometer. <laughs> so uh, I, I could use some outside, some right. outside opinion on it for sure. Put it and send it over, and I'll let you know what I think. Okay, that sounds great. Awesome. Okay, great spot for us to share the second song that you brought with you. Please tell us a little bit about Boots on the Ground. Yeah, so Boots on the Ground is about the trials and tribulations of being a working musician. I wrote it sort of, as I was saying earlier, when I was feeling angry. I was working on doing, I was doing a residency at this place in Salt Lake and they just were not, they did not have their act together. They were not treating musicians well. And I ended up calling up the owner and quitting. And I was like, this is just not worth our time. And I'm done. It was that night. And I'd also had a recent experience where I opened for a singer songwriter out of Nashville who'd had some success selling songs. And I asked him sort of, you know, how do you get your songs heard? How does this scene work in Nashville? And his response to me was, you just got to get boots on the ground, boots on the ground, boots on the ground. And I was like, okay, well, that's not at all helpful. <laughs> so I kind of wrote that song in response to those two things, I felt like I've been, I've had my boots on the ground for so long and I've, I've done all this stuff and, you know, I don't think people know the difficulty of trying to get your voice heard. So that was what, that's what this song is about. Awesome. Well, we are going to pop this one on for everyone. This is Boots on the Ground by Megan Blue. So long now My songs are wearing thin I keep on scrounging The bottom of my pocket To tape them up again 
on pushing to where I want to be Pushing to reach those heights And I'll keep going on to the bitter end Cause at least I can say I've tried It's all I know how to do Yeah, it's all I know how to do So many doors that I could not open So many backs I've tried to turn I keep on hoping that they will notice Notice how my soul burns But I'll keep singing Till I can't sing no more I'll keep telling all my truth I don't care got everything to more towards like Americana blues and country because I do actually think that your voice is very well suited for that. I've often been asked, why don't you do more country music? And I actually have been very, very open. I don't think my tone fits. I actually do not think I would do well in that genre because I just don't have the right tone. There is a unique tonal quality in country music that I just don't have. 
But yeah. I do think that there's other genres that I'm more well suited for. So, and you're, right. you do fit. I definitely hear you in, in those spaces. So another, another great Thank one. Thank you. One of my other huge influences is Chris Stapleton. I'm obsessed with him. Mm. I love his voice. I kind of, I cover a lot of his stuff with, I'm doing covers. Um, and to me, he's kind of like the ultimate singer. And he's brought, to me, he's brought back this sort of country that hasn't existed since Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings. He's brought back like this pure form of country that that's what I'm really drawn to. So I would call him a huge influence on me um, as far as singing goes. I love his songwriting, too. That's kind of the direction I'd like to head is more is to be able to do because he has the sad, but he has the happy and he has the fun. And so the variety that he has, the, his ability to songwrite is incredible. Yeah, he is actually one of my favorites as well, too, and I agree with you. Mm -hmm. He's definitely more in the, what I would call, I don't want to say older school country, but I want to, I want to say more authentic country, right? Like, I think yeah. a lot of the country music today, yeah, to me, a lot of the country music today just sounds like everything else that you hear, right? And there is no right. distinction. You know, Willie right. Nelson and, you know, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, right? You know, I mean, yep. country, you yep. know, even you know, Reba McIntyre, right? You know, I mean, you've got mm -hmm. well, Dolly Parton, right? This is real, mm -hmm. what I would call authentic country music, not so much electronic, you know, stuff that's currently out today. So another great Absolutely. inspiration for you. So, yep, before we... Run out of time, and before we sign up, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? How about where can they find you on social media? Yes, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. If you just look up Megan Blue Music, I'm there. I'm old school. I'm not great at um, at social media. I don't do Twitter, and I what's the other one? <laughs> I don't even know all of them. Snapchat, I don't do those. TikTok. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I also have a website that um, I keep updated with my shows. Oh, I should, I will, before the end of the day, I will update it with my next couple shows that I have coming up. Um, so, yeah, you can find me, just look up Megan Blue Music and I will pop right up. Can we go back for a second? Yeah, sure. To what you were saying about what your voice, your tone, how, how it suits things. I wanted to to kind of talk on that for a second because I think that as an artist, that's one thing that I've sort of struggled with is sort of finding what what is my niche. And so because I was trained, so I could sing a lot of different things. I can sing jazz. I can sing. So I found myself singing all these things, sort of like, what is that thing, jack of all trades, master of none? And so I think now I'm feeling like I'm really honing in on my sound, what I sound good at, playing towards what I'm best at, as opposed to trying to just sing anything because I can, if that makes sense. And I think that a lot of people, it a lot did. of singers have that struggle too. A lot of my students, they'll come in and like, I want to sing Ariana Grande. It's like, honey, you can't sing, Ar you know, could you possibly? Yes. Is it going to sound great? No. Your voice lends itself towards A, B, C, D if that makes sense. So finding your sound and your way is 
I think, something that I'm really focused on right now. It makes sense, but I will also say don't pigeonhole yourself because I think that the music industry today likes to stick people in boxes, and yep. there's nothing wrong with not fitting in a box, right? It's, That's true. You do need to know what you're what you're capable of or where you feel that, you know, I really do well in X, Y, Z, right? Like, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't tend to do country because I don't think I fit there, but I tend to gravitate towards pop rock. I'm actually going to be doing a contemporary blues album. I'm going to start working on a contemporary blues album because I actually feel that my voice works very well in that genre. And because it's a combination of multiple different genres, I'm like, why not? Right. And, and I, I think from being, being able to sing different things also opens the doors, right. Opens a lot of doors, especially when it comes to being asked to work on projects and, you know, being asked to be a collaborator on things and even for sync licensing and sync placements if you want to do music for that because you are able to switch. True. So don't, yeah. don't limit yourself. I think, you know, I think your pocket that you're focusing on definitely is the right place for you and for your tone. For me, it feels very comfortable and you, you feel like you belong in the space that you're in. But... yeah. I will caution, you know, don't limit yourself because you may potentially be closing a door that could potentially provide a lot of opportunity. No, you're right. That's true. And you don't, you know, I mean, I try to say yes to most opportunities that come my way. So I'm just going to keep doing that and keep doing what I'm doing because it's what makes my soul tick. I'd like to thank my wonderful guest, Megan Blue, for taking the time to chat with me today. It has really been an awesome pleasure speaking with you and sharing you with all of our listeners. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Mixing It. On behalf of all of us here at Sim Radio, until next time, this is Nikki Chris. Keep on mixing it.